With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, February 4th. Before we get into the podcast, I want to remind you listeners that our show today is brought to you by our friends at Diadem. If you've been listening to the Great Shot podcast, you listened to yesterday's Mini Break pod, you know I've been making some big life decisions recently. I've made the choice to move to Indianapolis, pursue this tennis journalism thing full-time, give it a go, give it my all. That's obviously a big choice I will make in my life. One of the biggest choices you can make in your life as a tennis player, the racket you choose with. And it's honestly just as important. You're never going to be comfortable on the court if you're playing with a stick that just doesn't work for your game. We've all tried different rackets. We know what we like, what we don't like. Uh, And I promise you, we promise you, our friends at Diadem have the rackets, the string technology that you will want to be using to bring out the best of your game in the 2020s. Their rackets on the forefront of the internet innovations coming in the tennis gear technology uh, industry, and we are so thrilled that because of our partnership with them, you, the listener, on your first racket can get 50% off on not just your first, but all of your purchases by using our promo code CR50. Look, use that CR50, get the promo code, try the racket out. You don't like it, it'll be so cheap. Sending it back won't even be a hassle with that 50% off, but you're not going to send it back because I promise you're going to enjoy it. Carousel, Seku Bangor, two college guys already using it on the pro circuit, and if it's good enough for the pros, it's definitely good enough to you. With college tennis in mind, on those other podcasts, we've talked about you know the Australian Open. We recapped that on the GSP that was released today. I talked yesterday about what went down on the Challenger Tour and the WTA Tours during the Australian Open. The only tennis we haven't covered that you may have missed in that final Grand Slam, uh, the finals of the Grand Slam hoopla, the action from the college tennis world. We've got a full another week of results to talk about. Joining me to do just that on tonight's podcast is my usual uh, college tennis duo who joins me when we talk about our favorite tennis subject. Let's start, of course, with the former four-star tennis recruiting.net player, one of your favorite writers on our website, CrackedRackets.com, co-host of the Wednesday Mini Break Podcast with James Foster McDonald, and of course, a man I affectionately refer to as Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? What's going on, man? Doing very well. I know uh, we saw Novak win another uh, Aussie Open. I think he's 8-0 now in Aussie Open finals. So that was fun, man. But there was a lot of college stuff going on as well. So we got a lot to talk about. And, you know, I'm, I'm liking this routine, this weekly routine of uh, college tennis pods with, with you and Chris. So um, it's going to be know- fun, man. I know you're a man who appreciates punctuality, part of the joy of getting to do this gig full-time. You don't have to worry about me being late anymore. I have no excuses, Matt. Nowhere I to hide. I love that, man. You know that is a big deal for me, so I'm, I'm pumped about that. Finally. You, you can call me and be like, hey, we're doing 7 p.m., and I can't be like, no, I can't, man. I have to work. I'll be like, okay, I guess 7 p.m. is the number. Uh, so that I, is something, I love of course. It. I love yeah, that. I, 
I look forward to accommodating you in the future. One man I will never accommodate, but we will always bring on when we talk about college tennis. Of course, you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR and one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. Chris Halliorts, welcome back to the mini break. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And you certain, you're certainly already living up to the never accommodating because while you'll make time for stacks, I think I called at least four times today and you never picked up. <laughs> well, so, to be the fair, last one followed by, sorry, prepping for the first pot of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have the no one before that didn't even deserve a response. Just no answer. All right. Well, I'll say this, Chris. I, I say oftentimes you're my mother's favorite guest. Now I can know why, because you're channeling her in your anger for me not calling you back. Uh, I've heard that oh too many times. Uh, no, you're right. I just uh, We have a bunch of pods on the horizon, a lot of fun events and fun things going on on the Crack Rackets front. Uh, if you listen to that Great Shot podcast where we covered the Australian Open, you know we just launched our Patreon. Uh, that's going to be subscriber content, that premium stuff. You want to hear me swearing. You want to hear... F- all of that fun things without the quacks that Westoff has to put to replace them. Usually uh, you will be able to hear that and more on our Patreon from written content to bonus podcasts, all of those features that and more to uh, be brought to you. The listeners soon So be on the lookout for that. But yes, I, I am one thing I will say excited about in terms of you pestering me with communications, Chris is despite all of the professional tennis, Ty Kwiatkowski wins a challenger event. That's something I know we are all excited about. Yannick Hoffman, a former college guy also making a final uh, elsewhere in the world. And then all of the Australian open stuff. I know I can always rely on both you and Matt, our text thread to constantly be going and people mute group texts. Uh, I never got, why people would mute that I love when I come back and I see there's 97 messages and it's like Chris is talking about the five singles at Jacksonville State University and how they're matched with Nichols State and it's like yeah that's the sort of details I'm looking for I never want to skip out for that and that's why you two are joining me today because there is no detail that goes on in the college tennis world that will escape the three of our collective eyes uh three not that we have three between the three of us although you could argue maybe we do given some of our blind spots for some of these teams Louisville Chris um, but yeah, or, or Michigan, you could say for me, or Matt. I, I mean, I don't know what Matt's blind spots are. I don't, I, I don't think he has any blind spots. I'd say he's blind to upsets. Um, but that's a tangent for another time. The point being, there was a fantastic weekend of tennis results for us to discuss. Upsets galore. Top ranked teams taking on each other. We had a couple. Uh, we had an instance of a top ten showdown. We had a couple of you know top twenty showdowns, top thirty showdowns. All of those sorts of results. Finally, we. It seems like we do have enough of a sample size to really have some takeaways from these top teams who have begun to distinguish themselves from one another. And that's where I want to start with a discussion of a matchup between two of our top five teams in the country, the Texas Longhorns, the defending national champs, early winners uh, of the early portion of the season after they went into Gainesville and knocked off number one Florida in one of the first matches of the dual match season. They traveled to Columbus this past weekend to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ty Tucker always has his teams ready for the indoor portion of the season, and we expected nothing less from this one, although after they lose 
J.J. Wolf, Martin Joyce, Hunter Tubert from their lineup. A lot of new faces for these Buckeyes. Returners as well, uh, some of them coming off of the bench, some of them in the form of top-ranked freshmen. But, you know, this was a matchup between two top teams, but two young teams. And Chris, we, we Matt, we talked about this on our preview podcast last week, for, or when we previewed this match on last week's recap podcast. We all gave Ohio State a slight favorite. We said we thought they were going to take the doubles point and that their depth would win out. Let's start with you, Matt. Given where this match went, Ohio State takes this decision 4-1. You don't want to say it was a 4-1 blowout because there were some close matches, but this was a dominant performance from the Buckeyes. Did you expect it to go this way? Um, yes and no. I mean, I did expect Ohio State, you know, lower in the lineup to kind of put their stamp on it, which they did, but but it was a pretty convincing win. Now, you, you mentioned it wasn't just a 4-1 blowout. I mean, the two matches that went unfinished very well could have gone to Texas. So, you know, this if they would have played it out, it maybe would have ended up being 4-3 possibly. Um, you know, so we don't really know. But, yeah, no, this, this, was, this was a good match for Ohio State. I mean, at home, we just wanted to come out and see that they could play this way. Um, you know, they took care of the doubles point six four on on courts one and three. And then obviously throughout the singles lineup, they showed that they are are better uh, down low, especially those those four through six positions. Um, they really won pretty easily. And we know up top, Texas, that's their strength. Ito Sigsgard, um, you know, Ito obviously came through with a nice win over McNally. Sigsgard was in a third set, but Texas really lost it down low. Yeah, I think the biggest question coming into this matchup, we had seen what Texas wanted to do with their freshmen early in the season with the lineup they showed against Florida, but we really weren't sure what lineup Ty Tucker was going to go with, not only in preparation for the national indoors, but just sorting out the three through six singles position. It seems like McNally and Kingsley are pretty firmly entrenched at one and two, but there are a lot of really talented players from the three through eight spots right now on that roster for Ty Tucker, and it wasn't just singles we were curious us about. He's experimented with different doubles teams, McNally and Cash, the number two team in the country, but he split them up earlier in the season, just trying to see if there are any teams he hasn't thought of yet that might work. And yet, you know, it wasn't just Ohio State. Texas also not in doubles, but in singles, flipping the lineup. In Let's start with the doubles component, though. For the Buckeyes, they go McNally, Cash, Trotter, Boulez at two, Kingsley, Selig at three. For Texas, the number four team of Siskard and Ito, Bullard and Spaziri, and Huang and Harper, the same thing we saw against Florida. Uh, and Any decisions through the doubles, Chris, shock you for either of these teams? No, I, I think that's pretty much what we expected to see from from the doubles lineups, uh, and you know, and the matchup that we wanted to see at one with the you know two of the top five teams in the country. Yeah, and we Ohio State teams. I think they lost three doubles points last year. Texas not as consistent in the doubles. Ohio State was the favorite coming in, and that they took care of the doubles point up top at the three singles position. We have Kingsley and Selig at three uh, against the five and six singles players of Huang and Harper. Just on talent, uh, you give Ohio State the edge there, and they end up taking that doubles point. But then, Chris, you look at singles. This is something we debated all weekend. Uh, quickly for Texas, they flop Spaziri and Waldeeb at three and four. They also flop Harper and Huang at five and six. Uh, but for Ohio State, McNally, Kingsley, Boulez, Selig, Trotter, and then they go with Robbie Cash at six singles. I mean, 
it seemed to work for Coach Tucker as four, five, and six is where they got the job done, and always the best teams separate themselves at the bottom of the lineup. But what did you think about the lineup Ty Tucker ended up going with, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, that that is really exactly, and, and I know Maddie and I were texting about this. That's exactly what I expected to see, uh, and I think uh, you know maybe uh, three, four. You know, you could we might see we might see him go back and forth all year between Boulez and Sea League, right? At at, at three and four, uh, and, and you know, obviously, especially with the performance that Sea League had. I mean, he took Woldy down zero and two. I mean, that was just dominant, and and Boulez was. Uh, was you know not he didn't lose but he was down a set uh but you know that i think that three four will be a a spot where they could flip Uh, but other than that yeah i think that's pretty much the lineup that i expect to see i expect to see him keep playing cash at six there's no way you keep trotter out of the lineup uh so uh, i mean that's I, i think that's a pretty to me that's a pretty set lineup for them Ohio State has four players inside the ITA top 40 in their top five singles positions, and Boulay's playing at three, though he was down to Ziri, the January edition for the Longhorns, 6-4, 5-all in that match. Uh, you just look at the depth for this Ohio State lineup, and it certainly uh, presents a challenge for any opponent they might face. Matt, you mentioned this for Texas. For them, it always starts at the top of their lineup, and Siskard and Ito losing in doubles, disappointing, but not necessarily unexpected when you play a team like a McNally and Cash. They get the win from Ito that they expected and needed at one single. Siskard goes to three uh, sets. But you look at how this Texas team performed against Ohio State. What did you think of that result? Were you surprised? Because for me, I I really am surprised that Ohio State at four, five, and six, given that those are all, you know, other than Selig at four, which might be the lock of any position on any roster in the country, Kyle Selig at four singles, but that they were able to win at straight sets at five and six as well. That bodes very well for the Buckeyes, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It does. And and I don't know if I would have expected it to be as dominant, you know, six, four, six, three wins on courts, five and six. I, I can't say that I expected that. Um, but I did expect Ohio State to come out and win this match. We all did. We all picked it. So, you know, nothing too shocking here. And again, just in Columbus, indoors, they've got that crowd behind them. It just it sets up really nicely for Ohio State. I mean, if this match was played, you know, even at the neutral site, Um, or especially outdoors, I mean, maybe we're talking a different story here, but in this situation on that day in Columbus, this to me is is about right for for what I expected. Maybe not quite as dominant at 5-6, but... You know, it's it was a good performance, and and I knew they were going to. Ty Tucker, man, he's he's got his guys ready. Chris, if you have any thoughts about the Texas lineup changes, add them in here. But from the Ohio State side, you compare this roster to last year's and where they were at at the beginning of the season. That Ohio State team comes out on fire uh, with JJ Wolf at the top of the lineup. You know, doing a you know playing his best tennis. They're winning doubles points in that to get two points on the board immediately. That team was phenomenal, and yet you look at the roster for this Ohio State team. You know, McNally at one when you play the absolute best team, such as an Ito, number two in the country. That's a match you expect Ito to win. That's not to be disrespectful to John McNally, who on his best days can compete with anyone. That's just a testament to how good Ito is. And I think McNally and Kingsley are on that level. They can compete with any top two in the country. 
But the depth on this year's Ohio State team, Boulez is a freshman, and there's still a lot we need to learn about him, but Selig, Trotter, and then the freshman, Robbie Cash, who I happen to know a little bit, and just his energy. You see on the court how all-in he is on this college game, how well he's playing, how much he embraced that Columbus environment, the look on his face when he locked up a 4-1, fairly routine win over Texas, but how much it meant to him. My hot take for this podcast is I think I like the depth on this Ohio State team better than I did last year uh, on last year's team. I like just this roster through doubles and the one through six position. I like their depth. I like how strong they are at each and every spot more than I liked the talent of last year's roster. Is that crazy for me to say this early in the season? Yeah, yeah you're out of your flipping mind. <laughs> I mean, come on. So here, basically what you just said, and now, and I won't debate is I'll say what I will say for Ohio state is I think their outdoor prospects look better. Okay. But indoors, if you're trying to tell me that we have three guys in the lineup that are the same. So basically I'm taking last year, Wolf, Joyce and Cobelt. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to tell me you'll take Kingsley Trotter and cash. I'll take you a hundred times out of a hundred. Okay. So here's what I'll say is one, the doubles point I think is a toss up because Wolf and Joyce versus McNally cash is just a good battle. I think Trotter Boulez, we saw Trotter get pulled at two doubles last year. It's not the same kid. Uh, you know, I think they battle with whether it's Cobalt and Seelig or whomever it may be. And then I think last year's Ohio state team at three doubles, you know, McNally and Tubert, I think they lost maybe once the entire year, but they're playing an incredibly talented team in Kingsley and Seelig. So it, you're right. It, it's more slanted towards the outdoors because Joyce and Cobalt indoors that's a particular advantage for that Ohio State team but Matt you're the tiebreaker here in terms of the depth on this Ohio State team it's again it's really early and we're going to get to see them tested this week against USC that's another learning point for us in assessing this Buckeye team but I really do like the depth they have yeah I mean Selig plays four and it's like legitimate yeah well I don't know if it's legitimate you and Chris both know that I have a little bit of an issue with that. I think Kyle Seelig should be playing number three. I That to me is still, I scratch my head just a little bit. And and I would prefer to see Seelig at three. I understand, you know, if Ty Tucker's, you know, trying to lock up that win at number four. Chris and I talk, talked about this. Boulez can maybe come through at three. That way you pick up both courts. I get it. It's just, man, Seelig. Like, what is he now? 28 in the country. I mean, the guy I feel like should be playing number three over the freshman in Boulez as talented as he is. But again, going back to your question, Gruskin, I mean, I got it. I agree with both of you. Look, indoors, there's <laughs> no way that I'm taking this year's team over last year's team. No way with Wolf, Joyce, Cobell. Those guys in indoors is unbelievable. This team won national indoors last year. Huh? So I'm definitely going with last year's squad indoors. But but Gruskin, I mean, I think you make a fair point where maybe when we transition outdoors, a guy like Trotter at five compared to a Cobalt, um, you know, a guy like Cash at six, I think maybe outdoors they'll have a little bit better of a chance, you know, when we get into, um, you know, postseason play. But it's, it's tough, man. When you lose a guy like Wolf and Joyce, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't say that I... I'm 100% with you there. Can I just say typical Stokowiak, Chris, splitting the difference, being like, I'm going to agree with both of you so that no one's upset. Um, 
<laughs> just a he really just agreed with me. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, no, look, we spent enough time on the Buckeyes, and we'll talk about them more next week because we get to see them play USC, as I mentioned. But it's a really it's one of many exciting rosters for us to monitor because they have that combination of returning experience with really fun young talent in their lineup as well. So they're going to get all they can handle against the Trojans, and we will certainly preview that at the end of this podcast. We still have a bunch of results to talk about from the past week, and if we spend as long as we did on this past one, we're never going to get through them all. But we have to take our next match uh, was one I have. And by the way, if you want to see some of the footage from OSU-UT, go check out our Crack Rackets Twitter feed as Dalton Thiedemann was in attendance for... Uh, that match, and I know he got some good video as well, got the video of cash clinching, uh, so that's a fun thing for all of you listeners to see, but if you were following Twitter on Saturday, you know that I was in Ann Arbor for my final home match in Ann Arbor as a resident of the state, getting to watch my Michigan Wolverines take on number 8 TCU, and I know it wasn't for me. I'm not arrogant enough to think that it was. Well, I am arrogant enough to think that it was, so you know what? I'm going to assume that, in fact, my Michigan Wolverines put together the performance of the season. Doesn't matter that they lost to NC State at home at the beginning of the year. Doesn't matter that they dropped the doubles point to this, as Chris Hallior says, dark horse national title contender TCU team. The Wolverines play by far their best singles performance of the year. They win five first sets on their way to taking a 4-2 decision over the Horned Frogs. I have plenty of thoughts to share on this one, but let's start with you guys. Matt, you know, Chris, we were all texting, but Matt, your first reactions when you saw the Wolverines, you know, lose that doubles point, but jump out to take five first sets. Yeah, I, I'm pretty shocked, to be honest. I mean, Michigan, we've we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks, right, guys, that Michigan's strength is definitely their doubles. I know you feel that way, Groskin. And, and so for them to lose that doubles point, it's like, oh, here we go. They're definitely not going to win four singles matches. They have no chance of that, right, against TCU. Well, sure enough, they take five first sets, and they're able to pull out four singles. Um, I, yeah, and, and they really could have won the, the, the match that went unfinished. They, you know, Michigan... Uh, also had a chance to win. So really, really good performance in your last match there in Ann Arbor, Gruskin. I think I think your boys did it for you, man. It was all for you. They came up with their best stuff. And, you know, I, I again, Michigan is a very solid team, but I think this may tell us a little bit about TCU as well. You know, I, I haven't been as high on them as maybe you two have uh, early in this season, but, you know, they're freshmen in the lineup this this was an interesting match for me. I, I think it told me a little bit of, of what I needed to know about this TCU squad. For the Wolverines, you talked about that doubles. You know, Seymour and Fenty, the number five team in the country, looked as good as they always do. They cruised to a 6-2 victory at one doubles. It really made it look easy, overwhelming power. They just looked so comfortable in their plays and how they want to execute on the court. But it was remarkable the way Johnson and Styler, I mean, that 6-3 set from Paralik and Jonk went by so quickly. Famba and Kruger got up an early break against Brown and Seymour, and Brown and Seymour just couldn't make enough returns to get back into that one. Yeah, you're right. It, after that doubles point, I was like, all right, I'll be on the road to Indy by 2.30 probably. It was a noon match. I was like, you know, it'll be a couple of straight sets probably at the bottom of the lineup, and hopefully we steal maybe, you know, two singles. Maybe Seymour gets a win. Maybe Styler gets a win over two of the freshmen TCU have. Uh, but 
it was an incredible performance from the Wolverines. And, you know, again, there are a lot of freshmen for these TCU players. And I, I do want to kick it to you, Chris. But I'll say this for Michigan on the freshman note, for Andre Styler, who clinched that national indoor spot 7-6 in the third against Ole Miss. I know he lost the doubles, but the confidence he played with, that he played uh, you know, Chris, we were texting about this during that Ole Miss match. How you were talking about how big he was playing. That's why you had confidence he was going to win because the match was being played on his terms. He was up five zero on Fernley in the first twenty minutes of that match. And yes, it was a six three six four match. Fernley ended up coming back in that set, but Styler got up an early break in the second set. He held on to it. The serve, the forehand. You can see why this guy was a former top twenty junior in the world. When they're on indoors, he's six four. He's you know filled out. He he served and volleyed. He was just so confident. Michigan's got themselves a three singles player. That's a guy who, if he's playing three, he can compete with anyone. Uh, we will get to Seymour and Paralek because that was the clincher. But Andrew Fenty, he worked Alistair Gray at number one. And Fenty's had a couple of three-set losses against good players to start his season. Uh, took a bad loss, I think, in that match against Ole Miss. I think that was a straight set loss for Fenty, but you know, he worked Alistair Gray in this one, and it helps that we were indoors, you know, the serve for Fenty, the weapons, everything's uh, accentuated because we are inside, but I mean, Styler Fenty and then Seymour up top, they were playing so well. Nick Beattie, another tie-break win for him. We can talk about the circumstances of that win in a second. What an incredible performance by this Michigan team. That being said, Matt, you're absolutely right. The storyline for this is not how Michigan performed. It is a storyline, but the biggest storyline is how this young TCU team responded. And Chris, I mean, to see the five freshmen, you know, they, they lose five first sets. The only guy who wins it, uh, Jurosek at six, uh, who I do have thoughts on. I mean, talk about a grinder. That's a guy indoors. That's going to be a fun two and a half hours, no matter who he's playing. Um, but what does this result tell you about this TCU team early in the season? Uh, I mean, I think first, you know, you got to look at any of these teams that have, have multiple freshmen like TCU does with three of them playing one of them, a January kid and think they're going to certainly you expect them to get better through the year. Had Did I hope they were going to have come out better and probably comfortably win that match? Yeah, probably uh, just from the outlook on the team. But uh you know what it tells me is, yeah, they need they need a little time, uh, a little time still. But I'll tell you what, that win for Fenty uh, up top. You know, you talk about the indoors being being good for him, but Alistair Gray hits a big ball too. Uh, you know, the the indoors do not hurt him, so that was just a good win for for Fenty uh, at the top. It's not like Gray's a, a you know a clay quarter or an outdoor guy. Um, that's that was a good win. Um, you know, and then. <clears throat> to Styler obviously obviously looked really good if they can if they if he plays that way and they can get what they got out of Seymour uh at two yeah they're gonna I mean they're that's that's really good for them no matter what and then Beatty I mean I'm not sure I don't know he, you know I don't but has Beatty lost a match I don't know that he has uh, uh he's no, I was just say I don't think he has either. And again, he's come through in a couple of clutch tie breaks now in a couple of matches in a row. Uh, yeah, just I, I have thoughts on the TCU lineup, but finish your thought, Chris. Yeah, well, I just think I, I mean, I think that uh, I think a great win for Michigan. I think uh, from the TCU standpoint, I still don't know, and it would be interesting to talk to to, to Coach Roditi that if what the deal is with 
Burtis Kruger. I don't know if he is just, you know, not playing well enough to crack the lineup or is he hurt or what, but, you know, he was a guy that last year was uh, in front of both Jong and Famba. We kind of expected Famba to, to pass him up uh, with as big a game and a, and a year of experience underneath him, but, uh, but we haven't seen him yet. So I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. But it's not uh, honestly. It's not that big of you know. There's not that big a drop off. Uh, so they they should have been able to to you know to handle themselves just fine. So I, I think it's a little more time needed for them, uh, and a great win for Michigan. Yeah, I'll say this for the TCU. I know Kruger. He looked fine. You know, he looked good in the doubles. Him and Famba held on to that break. Uh, he was listed in the singles, but they pulled him after taking that doubles point. Maybe that's Rudidi getting a little bit too comfortable. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to say for Famba, that was thievery by Connor Johnston to win that first set 7-6. The entire match was played on Famba's terms from the serve to the big forehands. Johnston's a, you know, he's a grinder. He's going to slice. He's going to chop his way to the net, do whatever he can, take balls early. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, He's going to use his speed. He's going to survive. But Famba had so many chances and, you know, it was funny because I was on that match. I happened to have grown up with Connor and I make eye contact with Roditi and shout out to him because he threw me a beautiful little wink uh, as he saw me in a smile I was like, oh, that's how he gets all the players to come. That smile is irresistible. Um, And then I will say this. There were some close calls in some big moments. (laughs) um, Oh, 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 now we're going to get to the BD BD match? uh, No, look, (laughs) I saw the ball out. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, no, 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 no. The serve was out. You're talking about the beating match. That is not the match I'm referring to. There was another close call. I'm not going to say who or what did to whom, um, but it was it was not the best of calls. I'll say this. And um, I made eye contact with someone who was influenced by the call, and I think that person could see it in my face that I didn't feel too great about that one, um, and that may have influenced said person's reactions. Um, but we're not going to get into specifics, Chris. Don't get us in trouble, please. We have some important things coming up that are ITA events, so just shh, just don't say it, Chris. Um, but yes, this match was two or three points on two or different three different matches from going a complete different way. And yeah, that it came down to Seymour and Paralek. Paralek was down five three. Seymour serving for the match. He came back, won four games in a row, fought to get into a third. That's a great result for a freshman who's playing against a Matthias Seymour who for the second season in a row has come out on fire. And I think that Paralek has a one handed backhand that Seymour is a lefty. He kept pounding that corner. Uh matchup wise, it was indoors, it was a rough matchup for Paralek, but outdoors I could really see why he's effective. Styler just hit firmly off the court. I didn't learn much about him. Jong, I don't love. I, I, I Big forehand, good mover. Came up with some really big strokes, some big forehands as well. He did not like a couple of calls, uh, and I think that got under his skin. Uh, but I love Jurasek at six. I mean, he is what you want out of a six-single singer player. Just a grind. He made every extra ball against Harrison Brown, who wanted to move forward and did a good job, but Jurasek just too solid. And I love Famba at four. I just think Johnston indoors, it was just a rough place for Famba, but I see why he gave Trevor Fitz all of last year. I think they're a Burtis Kruger away. I think this lineup is 
very, very talented, Chris, and that would be my takeaway is hold the course because Alistair Gray can compete with anyone. It was just Fenty's day. Paralek can compete with anyone. It was just Seymour's day. Styler played incredible. Everything went right for Michigan. I think that this TCU team took the doubles point. They can take solace from that. Now, for me, the last thing I want to say from this match er, and from a bunch of these matches we're going to talk about, the ITA seeding implications. This is such a crucial win, not only for Michigan, but think about NC State now. They beat a Michigan team who has a couple of nice wins. NC State's knocked off Virginia. They've knocked off uh, UVA. They've or Virginia is UVA. They've knocked off Michigan. I mean, NC State's going to get a pretty good seed. So these are the sorts of results that that you know, eight through twelve range of seeds, or eight through maybe even fifteen. It's going to be a bit of a. Yeah, well, I don't. When you say pretty good, I'm not sure what you consider pretty good uh i mean <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna they're battling i mean this was a huge win for michigan to try to get them out of the 14 15 range right uh which which may happen now but i mean you know wisconsin obviously is clearly uh, the 16 seed and and then it's a battle for who's gonna you know who's gonna be the next couple right above that and you know coming coming into the week i i would have said that yeah you're looking at the those next two being michigan and nc state right uh in the 15 14 spots and has that changed i hard to say right i mean you know it's still tough to put them up above i mean basically you got to jump columbia or south carolina who are right above them in the rankings i don't know that they've done it maybe with south carolina Carolina taking a loss, but still you got to look at it and go, wow, can we even have, is, is, can we jump Michigan over NC state ha- knowing that they lost to them? Sure you can, but it's a tough call. They're still likely, you know, 13, 14, 15, they're in that range. And that's why matches like Michigan, Columbia this weekend, Baylor, who took a, you know, that's the next match I want to talk about, well, actually, because off. Baylor takes a loss to Arkansas uh, over the weekend, although, again, no Brooksby, no Boy 10 for them. But just from a seeding standpoint, you're being honest and you're not projecting forward. The seeding goes by the rankings. This Baylor team now has a bad loss on their resume, but if, let's say, they go and beat Wake, well, now it's okay. Have Wake or Baylor really done enough to be considered that much of a better team? than an NC State, than a Michigan, than a Columbia, depending on how that result goes. This Baylor loss to TCU, and then we'll talk about the UCLA uh, results from this weekend, their losses to Cal and Stanford, and how that affects the seeding. I mean, we're in an interesting place, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, when we preview the men's ITA kickoff next week, and when we get to see where these seeds look. Uh, But Matt, let's start with you here. This Baylor loss to Arkansas, it throws a wrench into everything. Yeah, this was a head scratcher. I mean, and and let's be fair. Let let me just start with this. Baylor, you know, is is very injured, right? This lineup that they rolled out here against Arkansas is not going to be their typical lineup if this is a healthy Baylor team. So, you know, people need to know that. This isn't a full-strength team, but still, even with that being said— Wait, no, no, let's say that one more time because we can't emphasize this enough. This is not the Baylor team, you know— God willing, that we're going to see in May. Hopefully, we right. get to see healthy Brooksby, healthy Boy 10, all of their players healthy, all of the players on every team healthy. Yes, Gar- Garcia a, as well. Exactly, but 
from a pure ranking standpoint, to not compromise the integrity of the ITA seating at the indoors, Matt, this loss should mean something. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, it, it means a lot. This is a bad, it's a bad loss. I mean, Arkansas, I mean, when you look at the SEC, Chris would probably know more than I do about that conference. I mean, Arkansas is at the, at the very bottom, right? Are, are they the worst SEC team? I mean, they got to be in the bottom two. Right. Bottom three, bottom three. They're not the worst. I, you, I mean, I, and I, I'd have to go back and look at the official coaches preseason, but I would say Auburn is probably picked to be last. Okay. Uh, and then they were probably second to last, and Ole Miss was probably third to last. Right, right. It, well, and Ole Miss is, has shown up so far this yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, Ole Miss and Arkansas now. But and, and on top of that, Arkansas lost to both Middle Tennessee and Wichita State the previous weekend with effectively – well, I will say effectively the same lineup because they got Josh Howard trip back for this match, which is huge for them. But, and he played three, but they lost Alonzo who had played three the previous weekend. So, so it did, it wasn't like it pushed anybody down four, five, six, or, you know, one, two, four, five, six, were still the same guys that lost to middle Tennessee and Wichita state, uh, and now beat Baylor. So, you know, go figure like Matty no, said, I- even, even, even with, even with the injured lineup that Baylor threw out there, that it that still should have been, uh, you know, a good enough team to win oh, that they, match. And they won the doubles point. I mean, they go up 1-0 into singles. There's no way they can lose four singles, right? I mean, even without, yeah. you know, even without their, their top guys, you still have a Sven Law, who did win his match, by the way. You know, you still have a Soto, who lost his match. You know, you've got a Finn Bass in there. Um, Constantine, Constantine Francis, yep, who is exactly. a, an experienced player at the Guys number that have six played position. in past years, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this, and, and granted, he did win his match down there at number six, so, you know, we can give him some credit, but but still, I mean, to lose courts two through five, ah, oh, I mean, to, a, to an Arkansas team that doesn't have one ranked player, not one ranked doubles team, I mean, it's just, they're, they're not a very good team, and so this this is a rough loss for Baylor, I'm sorry, Coach Bolin, but it, it just it is what it is. This is this is one of those matches that you gotta win. Well, yeah, I don't I don't think he's fretting it too much, right? Because he knows obviously they're hurt. But here's what I'll say, Greska, that, that you know, we you talk about the seeding implications and I you know, if this was just a one time thing like we saw at Wake Forest last year, or you know, what what we actually didn't see at Wake Forest last year, which was a match because the the entire team was sick and they literally couldn't field a team. That's one thing. But this is the only thing they've played so far this year. We've not seen Brooks be play a single match. Boyton's been hurt. Garcia's been hurt. So this is an ongoing thing. And this goes back, you know, my, my philosophy here, it doesn't matter whether it's tennis or any other sport, is you are what you are. What you are. And until you get that lineup in there, I'm sorry, but you are what you are. And hence, which I'm sure you've already done. If you look at my rankings now, Baylor's number 24 on my page. Whoa. And do, do I expect them to stay there? Of course not. Not when they start playing those guys. But until that point in time, you know, it, it's I can't continue. You know, I can't continue to say, yeah, they're a top five team when they haven't played the guys that are okay. going to make them a top five team. Right. Let's be clear. You just said that because you know Bolden listens, and no, like, no, no, you know it, 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 I'm going to get a text about that. that's ridiculous. 
okay, you tell me that the Baylor team that you saw play this weekend, are they going to beat UCF? That's it's who I've got question. at 20. No, I've, no, that's who I I've got at 23. No, I respect <laughs> I'll your take you, will. I'll take no. that UCF team over the Baylor team that played this weekend. Yeah. For sure. So a couple of responses. A, I respect your your rankings integrity. You're talking about in the moment, and I just talked about why this loss should impact their seeding at the ITA rankings because those at the ITA indoors because those seeds aren't based on what you're going to do; they're based on what you have done. So I agree right. with your premise. I will also say, in the spirit of Super Bowl prop bets, I hope you both did well. The over under on you mentioning your own rankings on your own website was 36 minutes, and you just went. Barely on the over mentioned oh, 37 minutes. Yes. So sorry to anyone who bet the under on that. Part three, and getting back to this Baylor team, you said it perfectly. If you're Coach Boland, you're like, yeah, in the big scheme, this doesn't matter because the, the big takeaways are, you know, Fronson at six got a win. That's a spot where he could legitimately end up playing. Uh, Sven La has worked his way all the way up from number five to legitimately being an option as a number one singles player, and that is really an, that's another top guy you add to Boyton, to Brooksby, to Soto, but and you won the doubles point. That's another good thing. You're working in a lot of new teams. You lost Jimmy Bendek, who was with Sven La, half of the number one team in the country last year. So you get a doubles point. But it's concerning that the depth of your lineup, two through five, couldn't hang with this Arkansas team. You, you know, sometimes the deuce points don't go your way. Uh, and they lost, you know, Dickerson loses 7-6 in the third after taking a bagel of a second set over Howard Tripp. Uh, you know, Matthias Soto, 6-4 in the third. That's a couple of points here or there. But that's definitely concerning because the best form of Baylor needs those guys contributing and at their top levels. Uh, so yeah, that is something to monitor moving forward. Uh, but I, I, you know, the bottom big line picture yeah, here go is ahead. this. I mean, you going into national indoors, this is very concerning. If this is the lineup that that you're rolling in there with, I mean, that it's that's a problem. It's it's not going to end well. If this is the lineup that we see there, I just, I don't, I, I hope some of those guys can come back because then it's, it's a whole different story, but man, if they roll in there with, with my guy, Ryan Dickerson, who I love, you guys know, I love Dickie, but man, he, he should not be playing number three. You want him playing number six where he can grind out wins down low in the lineup. And, and, you know, if they roll in there like this, it's, it's going to be tough sledding, man. Yeah, I think we can all acknowledge that. Any final thoughts on this match, Chris? Yeah, well, not not the match so much, but what I'll say is like, you know, you know, again, I don't think I don't think the coach bowl is worried too much about it. It's not the end game, but the one thing, you know, the only thing I think that really mattered out of that match is and it's not even so much the indoors implications, right? We don't know yet whether they're going to have Brooksby and Boyton uh, or even Garcia, but I think they really need Brooksby and Boyton for, for indoors. Uh, but but the, the bigger the big picture implications, right, are becoming the top 16, which they should have not they shouldn't have a problem being, but really a top eight to host that first that the super regional round, right, if you will. And and the loss to a team that will undoubtedly be, you know, a not top, a non-top 25, top 30 team coming into the year to just the points uh, for them is a little bit of a hit. And it's definitely going to put the pressure on them to come up with some big wins to try to overcome that because there's no good, you know, you can't get rid of that loss in points. Now that deduction is there regardless. And now they can just 
pray for the best and hope Arkansas picks up a couple more wins uh, during the SEC season to, to make that a little bit better for them. But, but that's really the only downside. I mean, we all know when they get their guys back, they're, you know, they're a top five, top six, uh, you know, team and they just got to get them back and healthy. And, and I, for all of us as fans that want to see them play, I'm hoping yep. that at indoors, we get to see them because that's, I want to see the real Baylor team at indoors. Yeah, I, I think we all can agree with that. But you're right, rankings points is something that is going to certainly and look for the Big Twelve for Baylor they'll think about it. and for the Big Twelve this weekend, rough overall. TCU, Texas, Baylor, the top three schools all suffering losses. Uh but they'll all have the chance to beat up on one another in conference play, and I'm sure we will talk about all of them soon. Speaking of clusters, let's go out west because we talked about this uh throughout the off season and in our first couple of college tennis pods. We know USC is the top dog in the Pac twelve this season, but that cluster of UCLA, Stanford, Cal, all pretty similar heading into the the 2020 season, uh, you know, different top level guys here and there, but a lot of notable rosters, a lot of uh, similar things can be expected amongst all three programs given where they're at. And we finally had the chance to sort some of that out this weekend with a bunch of them taking on one another, USC and UCLA taking on Stanford and Cal, if that makes sense. So the two schools played one another. And we had our first uh, really, you know, another stream of upsets out West, our first coherent uh, set of results to kind of begin to sort these teams out let's start with UCLA who were the clear losers on the weekend they go 0-2 in their two matches they drop the doubles point and lose at 4-5 and 6 singles to fall to Cal 4-2 and then uh, against Stanford they win the doubles point but drop matches at 1 singles 3 singles 4 singles and 6 singles they were trailing at 5 singles and they had won the 2 singles position before that uh, losing that match 4-2-2 Stanford. Here's the thing. Uh, we talked about this. What I've learned is I'm reverse jinxing everyone. I said Michigan's going to lose all these things. They end up winning. I say UCLA and Illinois are going to be title contenders. They end up having brutal weekends to start their seasons. For this UCLA team last year, the recipe was you know, Cressy, Smith, Nanda, and pray like hell we either win the doubles point or we get one more at the bottom of our lineup. This year, thus far, it seems like for that recipe, they get Smith back, and you know he's been pretty good up top. That's a really good match against Geller, a three-set match. Stanford wins, but Smith gets the win against Cal. Uh, Nanda gets the win against Rothsart. Rot- Nanda also gets the win against Cal's Jack Malloy. But they don't have the other two points to turn to. They don't know where they're going to find it. And so I think, you know, before we even get into the Cal-Stanford part, that's the thing. You work in four different starters in new, in different lineup positions. And this UCLA team does have a bit of a learning curve, Matt. Yeah, they do. And and what, what I'm noticing here, you know, this past weekend is just th- their depth got exposed, right? We know UCLA up top is very good. Smith, Nanda, those guys can compete with pretty much anybody. Um, but those four through six singles positions, especially, are, are are a little bit concerning. I mean, you know, when we're when we're looking at Cal and Stanford, you know, they pretty much swept. I mean, four through six, you know, pretty pretty easily. Um, so I think throughout the year for UCLA, we know. I mean, if you want to make a deep run in May, the the depth is so important, right? You have to have guys down low that you can count on. And I'm just, I'm not sure UCLA has, has those guys this year. I'm really not. I like them up top, 
but I think their doubles has definitely taken a hit this year. And then that depth four through six and singles is, is going to be worse this year. And so now, you know, after this weekend, it's still early, but to me, you know, you got to put them behind both Stanford and Cal in the PAC 12 at this moment. Chris, UCLA lost a guy in Max Cressy who at the start of last season won the Cleveland Challenger. So that's obviously a significant loss. He and Smith, NCAA doubles champions last season as well. But we talked about, you know, we liked the depth on this Cal team, but we didn't think they had the strength up top compared to UCLA. We liked, uh, you know, the Stanford team one through six. But again, you know, talent-wise, it, it, it was similar to UCLA and it didn't really scream out outside of the top two. And yet... It seems like Cal and Stanford, at least at this point, do have the sort of depth as well as top-end talent to compete with UCLA. So what did you learn from these weekend's results from these three teams? Where do you have them right now standing in your pecking order? Yeah, well, I, mean, I think it was pretty clear coming out of the weekend that amongst them, obviously USC is at the top, and then Stanford is the second best, Cal third, and UCLA fourth. I was going to say the thing the the thing that's killing UCLA right now. So you right you mentioned obviously last year they had the top they had three great at the top three with Cressy Smith and Nanda right and then and a great doubles lineup. So it's like oh that's that's pretty much a recipe to win eighty percent of the matches. And then on the on the times you know the twenty percent when one of those guys doesn't win, then they had last year and this is a killer right now is last year they had Zaraj right playing four and playing well and winning at four he went from being you know some guys go home for summer come back and they're you know they're they're not as good so you know for whatever reason he went from being a good four to being a bad five <laughs> don't don't know what happened right i don't know you know why he's not playing as well but this through this point in the year you know they they lose cressy which means he should have gone from four to three he's dropped from what should have been three to five and is losing. He lost to Draper from Cal. He was down like 5-1 in the third in the match at Stan- against Stanford. He's just not, you know, he, and his results even even leading uh, leading up to this dual match season haven't been great. So so they've lost some productivity out of him. And then I'm not sure what happened to, right, we see now Eric ha- Eric Hahn playing six. I don't know what happened to Connor Hans, right? The, the, the thought was, hey, Hans is going to come in and play five or six. He was their six last year before getting hurt. Um, and now, some, and now you know, Goldberg's jumped in the in the lineup up to four. Drew Baird, a new guy coming in at three, but but uh, but Hans is not in the lineup. So yeah, they're they're definitely. I mean, it's definitely the message that we got is is they are they are you know at this point in the season they're showing weakness down low, and that's going to be hard to overcome when they don't have three really strong guys at the top but they've only got two really strong guys at the top with a you know so so doubles as compared to, at least in comparison to last year uh, yeah, so and we, i was gonna say we saw one. during during the kickoff weekend cal played lost to stanford 4-0 but i think four of those singles matches maybe it was five went three sets uh the gap between those two schools very small and both of them were able to beat this ucla team comfortably at a couple of spots in the lineup and yeah, you, you talked about USC being the cut above the rest of the schools. You look at what USC did this weekend. The lineups they went with was really the biggest things, and they had Brandon Holt back, but all of their players ranked in t- inside the top 
65, their lineup of Holt, Koikerman, Riley Smith, Moore, Bullis, Steph Dostanich, uh, Ryder Jackson, which is what they went for in their 6-1 win over Stanford. They took the doubles point in that one as well. They split up the duo of Holt and Smith, but Holt and Bullis get a win at two. Dostanich and Bradley Fry get a win at six. And then against Cal, Holt, Koikerman, Smith, Bullis, uh, Dostanich, Fry again. They pull off the 4-1 win, Riley Smith being the only guy who loses at three singles. But yeah, this USC team is freaking stacked. I was just going to say, I have a question about that doubles lineup, man. Why split up Holt and Riley Smith? I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I I think it's experimenting. It's finding out what works. If you're Coach uh, Massey, Coach Macy, is it Macy, right? It's not Massey. It's Macy. Macy. We learned this when we interviewed him. Uh, You just want to see what works. You know, who does Dostinich want to play with? And, you know, him and Fry lose the first, uh, the second match against against Cal, but Cuckerman and Smith get the win in that one. Holton Bullis at two is a scary proposition. We'll see what they go with against Ohio State, but if you're Coach Macy, why not experiment? Yeah, I guess. I just feel like, I mean, Holton Smith, those guys came in together. They That's a top five team in, in the country. There's no question that is a top five doubles team. They could compete with literally anybody in the country. If it was me, and, and this is probably why I'm not a coach, but I would roll those guys out there at number one yeah. every single time and be like, let's, let's go, boys. We're going to pick up two no. or three, you know, one of those courts. My counter to that would be, you know you have that trigger to pull if you need it, so why not experiment early on, especially with the depth you have in singles? Just find out, you know, maybe you put Holt with one of the freshmen, Smith with one of the freshmen, you know, Cookerman and Smith, see how they play. Just see what works, and then you know later on in the year, you know, you have other teams you can turn to as well. But to get back to this region to wrap up, yeah, I think that's fair. You know, Stanford, Cal, uh, UCLA, and UCLA and Stanford are going to get the chance to play at the indoors, and by the way, you know, why should UCLA not be the 15th seed at this point? I don't know where you have them in your rankings right now, Chris, but I feel like it might be in the Baylor zone. They barely escaped with a 4-3 win to kick off their I- or for their ITA kickoff weekend, to kick off their ITA kickoff weekend. So we'll see them at the indoors, but they're going to have tough matches for sure from the get-go. Uh, but Cal, Stanford, UCLA, I think we have three top 20 teams out west, and so they're certainly going to push USC, and they're all going to be competing to host that first region, get themselves in the, to the round of 16, get themselves to, a chance to upset one of those top seeds. Okay, a lot of good play to talk about, so we've had uh, we've talked about a lot of matches. There are some other notable results we want to talk about as well, but for the sake of brevity, I'm going to hit this in a rapid-fire fashion. So let's start with Matt and then Chris on all these matches i'm going to tell you the result you tell me if you have a thought or not sound good yep yeah i just want to say hey hey hey, matt you caught that gruskin plugged my rankings that time right (laughs) i did i did which which by the way gruskin they are 15th in my rankings behind behind cal and michigan (laughs) oh see not only did you tell me the rankings but you told me the answers i wanted to know who they were behind as well uh you you really do know me too well at this point all right we'll do this in the rapid fire fashion since we covered all of the results out west actually i'm gonna sneak in one more before we get to the rapid fire fashion because i know matt was there so i just want to hear his two seconds on it rather than get to the rapid fire uh but duke illinois number 19 illinois rough start to their season they're one and two now uh after they take a 6-1 loss 
to you and your brothers, Duke Blue Devils. You know, your brother and Scully, number 11 in the country, they get a 6-4 win. They also get a 6-4 win at 3 from Johns and Heller. Your brother knocks off Kova, 6-4. They get wins uh, elsewhere in the lineup from Furman at 4, from Rubel at 5, from Garrett Johns at 6 as well. And then Gwil in a third set breaker uh, gets the win. No AB for this Illinois team, but you know you got to be feeling good about your Blue Devils, right, Maddie? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better about them this year. This is a deeper team. It's definitely a different Duke team than we've seen over the last few years. The attitude's different. Um, there's a lot of freshmen on this team, guys like Rubel, Garrett Johns, Michael Heller, Andrew Zhang, um, and they've just kind of brought a different attitude to the team, and I think some of the older guys are feeding off that. Another big addition is Luca Keist, who transferred from Charlotte, was a really good mid-major player. He played number one at Charlotte. He now steps in. Um, he's going to be a solid player at number two and three. Competes really well, tricky lefty. So um, Duke, I, I think they can make some noise this year in the ACC. It's going to be good. Um, but yeah, overall, they just, I mean, they rolled Illinois, if we're being honest. No Alex Brown. That's a big, big loss for, for the Illini. Um, he didn't even make the trip. So I think he was, you know, stayed back with an illness that was pretty bad. So, you know, tough loss for Illinois. But um, yeah, no, when you compare, you know, who they put on the court compared to who, you know, Duke put on the court, um, you know, we get that one result. And, and you know, that, that's when you when you look at the matchups, I mean, it's not all that shocking. Um, so I'm expecting some some better things out of Duke this year. Chris, I'd kick this question to you, but we know you just say, I told you so, Alex, about this Illinois team. So I feel like, for again, for the sake of brevity, we can skip that question for I'll, now. Yeah, we'll skip that question. The only thing I'll add is it doesn't get any better as they see Florida and UCF this week. Yeah, I, I, I expected the only other thing you'd be like, I'll also add to that as well. <laughs> no, no, well, I mean, I don't want to see – well, the you – know, I want to see them with their best team. So I want to see AB in the lineup for sure. Right. And, yeah. and they gave, that was a heck of a match last year at indoors between Illinois and Florida. So, uh, and that match is at Illinois. So Florida going to Illinois, if they get AB back and healthy in the lineup, I don't expect, I don't necessarily expect Florida to walk in there that who's not an indoor team to go into Illinois and roll them. That's, I don't, I don't think that'll happen. I think it's a great chance, you know, if Illinois wants to show, you know, show what they've got it's a great opportunity for them to do so this weekend i i believe in transparency so i'm just gonna funny little tangent here uh, i'm not gonna call him out by name but we'll say there's a guy we podcast with named bale bamond who may sometimes tell me to move on from topics during a podcast and that really grinds my gears uh i tried not to throw you that take but that was a great take chris again once again i agree <laughs> you can't really know about this chris te- uh about this chris team about this illinois team until we see a b as you mentioned chris so yeah I, well, it's a wait and see approach but obviously not the start the line i were looking for to their 2020 dual match season all right, rapid-fire segment. I'm going to list uh, results. Matt, then Chris, you tell me your thoughts on them. Westoff, give me a rapid-fire sound effect, please. And let's rock and roll. All right, let's start with UCF's weekend, who had a very interesting week of ACC play. They went to Wake Forest. They lose that match 5-2, but then they go to Virginia and smoke the Who's 6-1. Uh, Matt, your first, you know, your takeaways from those sets of results. Yeah, no, UCF is is a very solid team, and I think it just shows us. I I am I am almost done with Virginia, man. I mean, God, you look at their lineup, and and they should be better. I mean, when you've got Gianni Ross playing number three, 
he should win his matches and he's not doing it. So, you know, I just, I, my positivity for that UVA squad this year has just gone down the drain. I'm not expecting much at all. Yeah, the, the takeaway, I think Wake wins the doubles point against UCF. That's big. Virginia did not. The one thing I will say, Wake straight set losses at one and two singles. They put Estafalu at two above body, uh, but both he and Botzer lose in straights for Virginia. Three set losses at the top of the lineup for Soderlin, for Ryan Getz. So that is a small victory, I suppose, if you're Virginia. But look, yeah, four three-set matches in that match. They only get one of them going their way. Matt Lord at four singles. You texted us this. Chris Gianni Ross continues to struggle for Wake Forest it may be you know I, I haven't seen Badi Squire Nava play in person but you know Estafalu at two allowing those guys to move down a spot for this Wake team they needed two three set results to go their way and are only one of them but they both happened to go uh, UCF's way but for Wake you know that they stole a doubles point that it was their depth that separated them from a team like UCF, that's the sign of a good team. Again, when you're winning three through six, because all of the solid teams have very solid top ones and twos. So, you know, your takeaways from these two results. Yeah. So, I mean, my takeaways are, are a, I'm not even going to, I don't have anything to say about Virginia. They're, they're in rough shape right now. Uh, B wake is, I think doing, you know, it's hard to say better than I, better than I thought, but I think, they're doing better than I thought they do. I would, I thought that they probably would have lost a match, at, you know, in some way, shape, or form by this point in the season. They're holding up well. They look good. UCF, uh, UCF, obviously played. You know, they almost beat UCLA out, out, and out at UCLA. They played Wake tough. They beat Virginia. The, my takeaway from that is probably is one that you won't expect coming, and has nothing to do with UCF. It is. Watch out for Clemson next year because this UCF team, this UCF team is a Matt Walters recruited team. Matt Walters left UCF for Clemson. He's inherited what's there this year. Couldn't do a darn thing about it. Is building his team next year. He's a master recruiter. Clemson will be like, you know, in the coming years will be just like what he managed to build at UCF. That is another great take, Chris. That again. That's why we keep you around. I'm all in on that. Um, I don't right, like we... that, Chris. I don't like. <laughs> I don't want Clemson to be good. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you, Maddie. The counterpoint is Nick's going to graduate soon, so you know. Yeah, I feel like that's we're okay. Yeah, so we'll be okay with that. All right, moving on to our next result. Another fun matchup between two top 20 teams. Number four, th- uh, number four team in the country, North Carolina, faced their first ter- real test of the season in the number 12 team, South Carolina, and they handle it with ease. They flex their muscle, bringing out all the stops. We had Blumberg, Seguin, Rinky, Peck, Cernock, and Mac Kiger in the lineup. Cernock and Blumberg at the top, but Kiger, Sundgaard, Seguin, Rinky playing the two and three doubles positions, and they knock off a very good South Carolina team, a team we are going to see at the National Indoors. 4-0, getting wins at the doubles point, and then straight set wins from Blumberg, from Seguin, who knock off Jub and Rodriguez in straight sets respectfully, as well as from Brian Cernock at the two singles position. Now, they had split sets in the other two matches, and Rinky was down a set, but up 4-1 at three singles. But man, it's really hard not to see this UNC team and fall in love with it, Matt. This team is really, really freaking good, guys. I mean, I, I my pick 
for the national championship, I am confident in right now. I'm loving it because, I mean, first of all, Brian Cernock at number five, that that's okay. I mean, he wins two and two in like 35 minutes. That that that's just ridiculous. And then the doubles lineup. I mean, God, one through three. If this team stays healthy, I I believe they'll win the title. I really do, and that's why I picked them. I, I think, of course, barring injury, because then all bets are off. If this team stays healthy throughout the year, they're gonna win it. They are. They're deep. They're strong up top. They are yep. just. Their doubles, doubles. make sense. What's crazy is that it was Blumberg versus Jubb at one singles, and neither player's ranked. And it's like, for Blumberg to win that match in straight sets, if that's the Will Blumberg we're getting this season, we all said health yep. questions coming to the air. If he's healthy, if he's at the top of their lineup, pushing everyone else down and giving them the sort of performance we know he's capable of, this team is as good as any team in the country. And Chris, again, that's what they showed this weekend. Absolutely, yeah. If that's the Will Blumberg that we see in May, absolutely, they're you know they're they're gonna they're they're gonna be the favorite going in. Yeah, it, it is a really fun result. Any takeaways for you for South Carolina? No, I mean uh, that's I mean you pretty much hit it spot on. So that is a good South Carolina team. We all, we obviously know about Jeb up top, but they're they're top three and really four now with Connor Thompson are are solid and Blumberg and and Seguin just you know they took it to Jub and Rodriguez now obviously Lambling got a set off off Rinky and uh, and there was a split uh, split at four but uh, but if anything I think that's the that's the question area for South Carolina is five and six and uh, you know but it's also the question area for North Carolina at six not five just six only um, so and that that's match at six was was in a third, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I, I think for South Carolina, it's you know, hey, you your guy your guy Jub goes down in straight sets, Rodriguez goes down in straight sets. You just say too good, we'll come back and do it again. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I think uh, ooh, uh, for you know this again this North Carolina team that they were able to beat South Carolina this comfortably, borderline a better you know. Better win, Chris. UNC knocking South Carolina in that fashion at home, or OSU taking care of Texas the way they did at home. Oh, I still think you got to go Ohio State, Texas, uh, just because. I mean, Texas was was the number one team, and yeah. uh, you know, it's just a just a, a seems like a bigger a bigger quality win, but uh, yeah. but but uh, but that's still a you know a very dominating four zero win for North Carolina. Yeah, same thoughts for you, Matt. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. I mean, you got to go with Ohio State over Texas. Texas, you know, on paper, yes, we've got them ahead of South Carolina. Um, so, so that's the more impressive win, I think. But you know, South Carolina is a very good team. So, you know, it was it was certainly an impressive win by by both squads. Yeah, and uh, look, we will talk about again Ohio State in a moment when we get to that USC Ohio State match preview. Uh, just a couple more again to get through quickly from the week. Florida in our Tennis Channel match of the week, the USDA match day at the national campus in Lake Nona. They knock off Florida State 4-1. They've gotten two straight wins now in this rivalry. They get wins in the doubles point. They were up on all matches, but Grant and Inglidson 
uh, Goodger and Vale getting the wins at two and three doubles. Crawford was down a set and four all to Naf. Riffis had split sets with uh, Jalif at two singles, uh, and they dropped the five singles. Goodinger moving up a spot but loses in straights, but they get wins at the bottom of their lineup. Vale, Andrade, Ingledson at six, all straight set winners. Uh, again, quickly, any thoughts on this one, Matt and Chris? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do like the way that Florida State competed up at one and two. I mean, those are obviously two positions where we would favor Florida heavily. Um, so for them to compete like that was good. But obviously, the depth of Florida, you know, showed out in the end. Um, I, I don't know. Florida State, I think, is, is going to be a decent team this year. But I don't I don't love them. This was overall just a solid win for, for the Gators. Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, a little disappointing at the top, honestly, for Florida. I don't think they've quite hit their stride yet. Uh, I don't think we see Goodyear stay at five, although through indoors, uh, he's pro- prob- we probably will. Ingoldson, at least, that's the most promising thing to me. Ingoldson, a straight set winner, not the, you know, not the top level competition, but I'll, but he's he's in the lineup and he's playing. Hopefully, he's coming around. Uh, I think they're still yet they're yet to hit their stride, but they'll be there in the end. I agree with you guys. All right, three more to get through real quick. Ole Miss knocks off Oklahoma State 4-2, continuing their strong start to the year. Oklahoma bounces back from a national indoors rough weekend. They knock off a Kentucky team that was playing without Liam Drexel in singles 5-2. And then Mississippi State gets a much-needed 4-2 win over Miami. Uh, Let's start with you, Chris, because those are three Chris Halliorce recommendations. Your thoughts on these matches? Oh, all right. So first of all, uh, yeah, the Kentucky lost to Oklahoma. Ugh. Both teams missing a guy, so you can't really say. I mean, Draxel doesn't play at one, but Oklahoma pulls Byler at two. Um, you know, so still, to, in my mind, pretty much a straight-up match, and Oklahoma gets it done. Uh, that's a, I, I, I didn't think that was going to happen. I'll, I'll leave that there. Ole Miss-Oklahoma State. Oh, this. where do I start here? <laughs> the fact that Jan Soren Haynes, is playing two is such a stack. And then he goes and knocks off Dominic Kalofsky, a tremendous player, which just means they get to stack as long as they want now. So uh, he's not going anywhere. He's still at two, makes them a much more dangerous team, pushing, you know, Reynolds down to three. They got a, new, a, a freshman play, playing well at four. Uh, Simon Young at five. I mean, yeah, the, that that definitely makes them better. But that definitely another. I mean, Ole Miss coming in to the season, they, not looking like you know, definitely looking like one of the bottom teams in the SEC. Already some great wins. You know, knocking off Illinois, knocking off Oklahoma State. Good wins for them. Those are good. And then yeah, Mississippi State knocks off uh, knocks off Miami. They had uh, dual matches down there this weekend. Got rained out after taking the doubles point at South Florida and starting singles go and play Miami because of the Super Bowl and a match that, you know, I'm not sure who the scheduling person is at Miami, but somebody scheduled that match for Sunday in Miami. Not a good idea. Um, that move, that match got moved over to Fort Myers at the campus of Florida Gulf Coast. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, a good win. Still, uh, you know, still got to find uh, a, a, some some depth down low for, for Mississippi State. Quality win, I think it's, it, you know, they're they're playing well up top and in, and still in doubles. They're looking like um, maybe even a little better than I thought for, uh, uh, at the beginning of the year. I'd say they're you know they're right in that twenty five you know holding that twenty to twenty five range right now, which is which is a which is good for them. Yeah. Hey. 
coaches look out because if you try to stack, what's clear to me, Matt and Chris will catch you. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I, I look, you know, the funny thing is for Finn Reynolds, he loses in straight sets. That's three singles in that Ole Miss match. But yeah, overall, good takeaways from all that. Anything you'd want to add, Matt? Uh, yeah, just a couple of points here that I want to make. Chris, you know who was missing for Miami in that match against your uh, Bulldogs? Yeah, well, he played doubles, which means he wasn't hurt. I think he's worked himself out of the lineup. That is impossible. How can that be? So we're talking yet again about my, you know, Gruskin's favorite when I yanked the name out, Boyan Yankalovsky. <laughs> played doubles for Miami. Didn't even get into the singles lineup. Had been playing five singles that we talked about being a stack. Now he's out of the singles lineup altogether. Yeah, unbelievable. I don't understand. He's got it. There's got to be. He's got to be hurt or something. He's got to be. Yeah. That is something to monitor as we go forward because, I mean, he can win. I mean, this was a 4-2 result for MSU. You put Yankolovsky in there and all of a sudden it could be a little bit tighter as well. So I, I noticed that as well. And also, of course, for Kentucky, Liam Draxel played doubles, right? Yep. Yep. So what the hell, what, what's going on there? Why is he not playing singles? Why pull him? I, I, I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, uh, you could say that with, you know, it's the case a lot of, and we don't want to speculate on injuries, but for a lot of these players, we see a lot of them playing doubles. You know, Kruger's another guy you add to that list. He lines up for TCU in doubles, but not singles. Uh, These are all parts of the ebbs and flows of what is a long college tennis season. Now, last question to you before we move on. Uh, I know you have a story for us, Chris, but right now, Egg Bowl preview, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, who would you be leaning towards? Oh, I mean, I got to go with the dog. Come on. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's, remember that prediction now made on February 3rd. Uh, we will use that yeah. against you later on in the season. All right, before we preview the week ahead and get to our top five rankings to wrap up, Chris, you have a non-major conference storyline that you want us to be monitoring. I do. It's not even a monitoring. It's just a so, – so this – I think it was Saturday, and this is just – I can't even imagine this. Bill Richards, who is the head coach at Ball State, got his 700th win. Yeah, that's nuts. You imagine that, 700 wins at a D1 school. He's been the head coach now at Ball State for 48 years. Yeah. 48 years. So, I mean, hats off. Nice job, Bill. Uh, Great for for the Cardinal, Ball State. Uh, I mean, now I just – I saw that uh, and I just that was that that blew my mind. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're always talking about the big the big power schools. And uh, I think it's good to to give some of these uh, smaller conference schools a little uh, a little shout out when something like that happens. Westoff, give me an applause sound effect, please. I mean, uh, 700 wins is crazy. Yeah, that's a long time. You have you have to be a college tennis coach for a long time to get to 700, you know. Boland could have stayed at Virginia for, you know, 20 seasons, and even then he probably still isn't at 700 wins, even if he keeps that level of success up the entire time. So, yeah, shout out to the entire Ball State program. That is such a cool achievement. All right, week ahead. There are a bunch of fun matches still to go before we get to the ITA National Indoors. A little bit more for us to learn before we can preview that event, know who's going to be seated where. I have a couple of matches listed here that I want to run through real quickly. The big one, we have to spend a minute breaking down. Uh, We're going to spend three deep dives, and then we'll run through the rest quickly. But USC-OSU, that's the headline match. Two top five teams, two undefeated teams, two certainly teams with rosters capable of making runs deep into the main 
NCAA championships. This match is being played at Ohio State, which feels like when the margins are that thin, that sort of thing matters. Uh, Ohio State's going to get to play Arizona State earlier in the weekend to get warmed up. That match comes on Friday. The USC match comes on Sunday. You know, USC, not a team that plays a lot of indoors traditionally, but you look at the depth they have, one through six. They're going to be right there with Ohio State. This is going to be one heck of a match. Uh, Let's start with Matt and then go right to Chris. Your thoughts heading into this one. Oh, man. I mean, this this is a really really exciting match again it's it's in columbus i mean god it's going to be a wild environment both rosters are are really really good on paper again if this was a neutral site i i like usc top to bottom a little bit more i really do i i think they're they're a little bit better of a team but you know, we're, we're indoors. We're in Columbus. It's Ty Tucker. Man, it's it's going to be a hell of a match, guys. I'm looking forward to this one for sure. Chris, lineup-wise, what do you expect? Any changes from either of these teams? And then give me your prediction for this one. Oh, man. Well, I'll be—actually, the, the lineup choice I'm interested in seeing is kind of something you touched on earlier, and that is what does USC throw out there in doubles? I mean, they know this is probably going to be, you know, a very tough doubles point to take at indoors at, at Ohio State. So I will be interested to see if we still have Holton Smith split. I'm assuming we, we will be. Otherwise, I don't know why they would have done that with a couple good matches last weekend. Uh, but but yeah, that that's kind of what I'm looking for. And man, this I've gone back and forth on this. I have no idea how in the hell you pick against Ohio State. If this, as Maddie said, if this was neutral or outdoors for all, for sure, I'm taking, yeah. I'm taking USC, but indoors at Ohio State, it, if Ohio State takes the doubles point for them, for them to, to lose four of singles matches indoors, I mean, oh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm going to like Holt at one, obviously, for, for USC. Um, I think that Kukram and Kingsley matchup is going to be a toss-up. I like USC down low in the five, six spots. But again, but indoors, I'm not so I'm not so sure. So, you know, I against my own better judgment, I guess, I'm, I'm just going to have to – I'm going to roll with the Buckeyes and say at, at home indoors uh, – I'll stick with them. I don't. I don't want to pick them because I think USC is the better team. But golly, you just don't go into Ohio State and win. Yeah, look, they've lost one match. I think it's over the past twenty years. It's like two hundred something in one. Equally as impressive as getting to seven hundred wins. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, indoors again. The the bottom half of this lineup, and for Ohio State, as talented as they are, it's a lot of new starters outside of McNally and Seelig, and they look really solid in the doubles point. But you know, Bullis, Cookerman, Holt, Riley Smith, indoors, um, all of these guys, and then Donstanich and Fry, and just whomever they want to go with at the bottom of the lineup. I mean. You know, USC's got more returning starters. They're just as talented, one through six. Uh, they're just as good at doubles. And yet, you're right. I think we all agree this is going to go 4-3 one or the way or the other. But it's in Columbus. And so you want to give the Buckeyes the edge. I will give a pick. But first, Matt, I want to know which way you're leaning. Yeah, no. I mean, it's 
I'm, I'm agonizing over this just like Chris is. It's really, really tough. But again, if I've learned one thing in my lifetime about Ohio State at home, Ty Tucker, you do not pick against them. I'm going to roll with the Buckeyes here. Again, I'm with Chris. On paper, I have USC ahead of Ohio State in the rankings, which we're probably going to get into here in a minute. But I, I like their team overall just a little, little bit better but I think that home court advantage man in Columbus is going to swing it to Ohio State. If Brett Macy splits Brandon Holt and Riley Smith in the doubles, big advantage to the Buckeyes with, with McNally Cash at one and also Selig uh, Kingsley at three. I think they'll take that doubles point. It is imperative that USC puts uh, Holt and Smith back together at one to have a chance to win that court. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with Ohio State 4-3. Yeah, given how thin the margins are, you definitely don't want to be chasing that early doubles point down if you're the Trojans. That being said, I I love you. I just think the only match I'm really confident about is that I think Holt will beat McNally up top. I mean, Cookerman's the number one player in the country. He is playing a freshman in Cannon Kingsley. Oh, Kyle Seelig's not losing. Yeah, but Moore Bullis is number nine in the country. Like, that's a battle. I don't care. What about Dostinich Trotter? That's two incredibly. Ryder Jackson versus Robert Cash. That's, you know. Young, that, those are young guys, right? They're that's all what young. I'm saying. So they really could go either way. I love both of these coaches. I'm going to zag. You guys are zigging towards Ohio State. I think they suffer loss number two in Columbus. I'll take the Trojans 4-3 just to be a little bit different. Ooh. But I, I'm, I'm more than anything, if the overs 4-2, you know, how many matches get finished, I'm taking the over. I think all seven matches get finished in this one. I think it's going to be that close. Um, all right, moving on. So that that's the big match. There are some other big top 10 battles. Would have been even more hyped had TCU not lost to the Wolverines this week, but they are going to take on the UNC Tar Heels. Uh, again, we'll, let's, let's start with Chris this time. We saw UNC flex their lineup. TCU, we still don't know exactly where things are going to end up. What are you seeing? What do you expect to see in this one, Chris? I mean, based on what we saw last weekend, I expect to see a really good North Carolina team. Uh, and I don't know how TCU manages to, to beat them. They're, uh, they're, they're too good up top. I mean, one and two uh, I mean, you're, they're going to have to beat them in dubs. I don't, you know, Carol, you got to like Carolina. You got to like Blumberg and Seguin at one and two. And then I don't know where you, where it stops. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where. I mean, hopefully they're playing for their sake. They're playing outdoors and not facing, you know, whatever. But, you know, you get Josh Peck with a monster serve. You got Cernok freaking playing at five. Like, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. I mean, but I said that'll be a match to watch. That would I would rather see that match indoors if they're playing the same lineup, Peck and Famba. I mean, Ooh. I mean that's like watching two centers battle it out on a tennis court. I mean, <laughs> two <laughs> those hours, guys are both three tiebreakers guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a seven-six triple setter. Yeah, exactly. or, you know, three setter waiting to happen. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, I think based on the where they're at right now, North Carolina is just too much. Yeah, Chris, uh, not Chris Maddox. Excuse me. How much is a factor that this match is in Fort Worth, TCU, one of the best environments in college tennis, and that they're coming no off factor. of a loss? They're 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 hungry. No factor whatsoever. This is a beatdown. I'll take UNC four zero or four one. Maybe you mentioned that uh, that Famba Peck match at number four. If that's what we get, I think that one could possibly go to the Horn Frogs. Uh, but that will be it. I'll take UNC 4-1 at worst. 
more than likely probably four out. Yeah. All right. I'm Thank not, not going to zag. I, I like this TCU team. I think they're going to look a lot better in May than they do right now, and they already look pretty darn good. I mean, they almost came back after losing five sets, uh, five first sets against Michigan. Again, they were a couple of points away. Thamba, I think, was winning that match against Johnston for sure. Uh, but yeah, this UNC team too experienced, even on the road, they are just they look like a, they look like it's semi you know semifinals finals of the NCAA tournament of the national indoors or bust for that team. Uh, all right, a match that may have been more exciting coming into the season than it is just where these two teams are at at this point. Brian Bullen's Bears are taking on his former assistant Tony Breskies. Excuse me, Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Uh, again, lineup questions are the biggest thing we're circling. So you know, you can give me just a prediction if that's all you want, because we kind of talked about that earlier. But where are you looking at this one, Chris? And then Matt. Oh, I mean, if it's the same lineup, Wake Wake wins. I mean, they've got they've got to have they've got to have some guys in there. I'm hoping that we see, uh, you know, Brooks. Hopefully Brooksby and Boyton. I I don't I don't hold as much hope out for Garcia because I know I we'd the, uh, there were pictures floating around of him in a boot. I don't know what that's all about, but um, but but at least if if they, we get those two, if we can get those two in the lineup, then uh, then then we got a match, right? But uh, and then and I actually think I I favor Baylor at that point, but uh, but barring that, yeah, it's really all about about who's playing and you know heck maybe maybe Baylor shocks us all plays the same lineup and manages to win I wouldn't totally surprise me it would definitely surprise me but uh but yeah I don't know what I'm uh this is really all about just seeing what kind of lineup Baylor throws out there yeah any prediction for me Maddie yeah well it's tough to call right I mean Chris Chris hit it this is all lineup dependent if I'll just I'll give you two predictions if Baylor rolls out the same lineup that they did last weekend that they've been playing all year here, Wake will win this match, um, you know, 4-1, you know, something along those lines. If Baylor gets Brooksby and Boynton back and they're healthy, then I, I think Baylor's the better team. So I will go with Baylor at that point if they play a healthy lineup. Um, I just, I don't know if that's going to happen. So to me, it, it depends on what guys we see out on the court, like Chris said. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I think you guys hit it on the head. I say Wake wins this one for Alex. I'll take Wake 4-2, just assuming we're not going to get to see the full Baylor lineup. All right, on these, I just want predictions from you. Florida, Illinois, 4-0 from both of you guys, even with AB? I'll say 4-1. Oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll say 4 I, I'm not going that bold. I'll say it's like this is a 4-2. Uh, we, this is going to be a tighter match than I think people think if AB's in the lineup. Okay, that's fair. Michigan, uh, Michigan, Columbia, really fun one. Big seeding implications. We could do a full breakdown, but we talked enough about Michigan at the top. This match is in Ann Arbor, but Matt and Chris, who you got? God, man, I've picked against Michigan like every single pick week. against them, please. You're not allowed uh, to pick. Don't no, let me down. No, you're don't not allowed to. Down, fu- you are not allowed to pick Michigan. I'm making by decree. Actually, right, no. I'll pick my Wolverines. No, be confident. No. No, Columbia, Ports 2. I love it. I just reverse jinxed that, so that's perfect. Uh, no way I'm picking Michigan. No way. <laughs> Chris? Yeah, there's no way in hell I'm taking the Wolverines in this match. None whatsoever. No way. I mean, come on. You After all the grief Jeff Menneker's given me on on Twitter for, for talking about Columbia and, and how he thinks they're all ITA so biased to them, come on, no. Yeah. But all, in all seriousness, this is a really good team. I don't I, – I'll – 
I'll take uh, Columbia and, you know, Steiny told me that was not really like a, a, it wasn't like a farewell to Gruskin. That was like a good riddance. If we win, you're out of here. So, <laughs> I mean, no, that's fair. Cause it, it's Tang and, uh, Tang and Lin who play one doubles for Columbia, I believe. Good team. Yeah. Really good doubles team. Them versus Fenty Yeah, that, That's going to be a heck of a match. That's yeah, blockbuster. Yeah. Um, I think we all know where my heart lies, so I can leave it unsaid which way I'm picking um, because I don't want to let that go into the atmosphere and work, or, you know, lose whatever juju's flowing right now. God, you know what I'm thinking. You've so done don't... this every single week. So, you, so you, make, you make me pick a Mississippi State Ole Miss match that doesn't happen for months. And you won't pick a Michigan match pa- happening this weekend. You know what we call that, Chris? Sitting in the power chair. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I call it. No, we call them huevos too. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's pretty funny. You know, when when a different culture hits that on the head, just just roll with it. Um. Yeah. Look, I I I feel like I picked against Michigan against both TCU and. Illinois in that region, but <laughs> the second I pick them, they're going to lose. If all that hasn't given you the confidence, you have to pick your boys. Okay, now. I'm picking for the same juju. So again, God, you know what I'm really thinking. Always, um, give me the f- give me the Wolverines, f- guys. Like, yeah, of course I'll take the Wolverines. <laughs> I I'm all in there on that. There we go. Yeah, you know my thoughts. Um, yeah, go, go blue, baby. Um, all right, a couple more quickly again. Tennessee Duke, just picks. Uh, Duke 4 3. Man, uh, where's it at? I don't it's even know. Durham. I'll be there. Oh, it's in Durham. Oh, screw the ACC. Tennessee. Ah, uh, this is the tiebreaker. Scoreline? Scoreline, Chris? Uh, oh, oh, man. Jeez. Come on, they beat Wichita State 4 3 in a breaker. I mean, good lord. Yeah. I, if, yeah, I know. Come on. <laughs> uh, although, Wichita State is sneaky good this year. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. They've they've been decent, but uh, you ACC. know, ACC, ACC, hey, the, the little brother of the dude that played Nadal in the first round, playing uh, playing one for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll I'll I'll, I'll go fourth. 4-3 Tennessee. All right, give me the Blue Devils. We don't pick against family here. Nick Stokowiak is family. Um, so go Devils, baby. All right, Virginia, last two picks, fighting for their season. They desperately need one of the two this week against Wake Forest and TCU. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to pick them to win either, but this really is win or go home in terms of late season aspirations. Do you see a last gasp of win from this team, a Wake team, you know, that's going to play Baylor this week as well? So maybe they're a little bit tired. Maybe this Virginia team just comes out on fire. TCU, again, they've got a test this week as well when they take on UNC. So maybe for Virginia just gets them both at the right time. Uh, Matt, then Chris, where you, where do you see this Virginia team going? <laughs> really, Gruskin? You're really asking me about this? Come on, oh, man. No yeah. way. No way. Virginia's going to get stomped in both matches. They do not have a chance. I can't believe you even brought this up. Get out of here. <laughs> An hour and a half in, I'll take that sort of brief from you. Chris, what do you got? 
Yeah, as usual, I'm with Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fine. Uh, you, yeah, that's that's fair. All right, then, with that in mind, the last thing we are going to do here, and we appreciate you all taking the time. There's a lot of college tennis, and we didn't get to talk about it as much as we would have liked last weekend because there was all the Australian Open coverage going on and because I was moving to Indianapolis. But we never end these pods without giving our thoughts on the top five rankings. Let's start with you, Chris, since you accuse us of cheating off of you anyways. Just give us your picks first, then Matt, then then I'll go. <laughs> Oh man, well, well, I've already, I already let the cat out of the bag and said Baylor's not in there, right? So uh, yeah, so so let's start with number five. Not not a lot of change this week. Number five, I've got Florida, uh, still there. Really, my, my only change then comes at three and three and four with the with the win uh, for Ohio State over Texas. I've got I dropped Texas to four, Ohio State up to three, uh, and no change in my top two U.S. C number two, North Carolina number one. Maddie, how is your, how are your sounding? Yeah, Chris, um, my I'll give you a little golf clap here. You finally got the rankings right, man. You finally got it right. <laughs> I actually have the same top five. I, I think it's only fair, right? I mean, Florida, Texas, they both have a loss. Um, I think it, you know, they come in at numbers four and five, respectively, in that order. Texas ahead of Florida at four because of that head-to-head win. And then, you know, North Carolina, obviously, to me, my national championship pick, they're number one, USC right behind that two, and then Ohio State, by virtue of their win over Texas, um, they jump ahead and they're sitting there at number three, obviously, with that big match against USC this weekend. So, Chris, good job, man. Hey, you too, Maddie. Good job. Now, now let's hear the garbage. Man. All right. But, all, right. all right. Well, first of all, you're going to accuse <laughs> me of cheating when in reality we have the exact same rankings. Um, and I love oh. that you guys both go, oh, I'm going to pick Ohio State over USC, but I'm not going to rank them over it, you cowards. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you guys completely. For oh, are, are, you're, you're leading into my I told you so from last week when you guys <laughs> yeah, that Texas number one, <sighs> even though you pick them to lose. Look. Yeah, but I told you as soon as they lose that match, they're going to bump out. And, that, that's what yeah. I did. And we still have them above Florida, so at least we're consistent. At least I'm consistent. I took by my rankings USC yeah. over Ohio State. I don't know why you guys are picking uh, the number three ranked team. Matt, this is the first upset you've ever picked to take number three Ohio State in your rankings over number two USC. The Buckeyes are never an underdog in Columbus, Frost. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. You did actually pick an upset. My bad for giving you credit. That's on me. Uh, that was stupid no uh yeah i think that's where we're at and, and we will learn more and more as this weekend goes out but an hour and a half in i think we have hit everything from the past week in college tennis and of course if you've missed anything i tell you now be sure to go check out our website crackrackets.com where this podcast our great shot podcast where we recap the ita kickoff weekend for the men and where our recap for the women as well as our ita women's uh kickoff preview can be found later on in the week our cracked interviews podcast we had the chance to talk to so many of these coaches of the schools we've talking about so you know all those college contender series interviews still hold up well so if you haven't had the chance to catch those go give those a listen now as you get ready for these ita national indoors and of course chris and i are excited enough to say we're going to be there doing some play-by-play announcing i'll be there in chicago chris will be joining me uh for the men in madison it's going to be a really fun week of tennis and of course if you missed anything else australian open related challenger related uh check out our mini breaks from earlier in the week all of that found on our website again crack 
crackedbrackets.com. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, me, uh, Facebook, all social media accounts. It's at Cracked Rackets uh, for Chris's personal rankings as he keeps plugged. But for the week ahead, the week behind, all of the things, you know, the live rankings of college players in the pros right now, go to his website, collegetennisranks.com. Have to thank our sponsors at Diadem, who, uh, at Aerobar for making these daily podcasts possible. Aerobar giving out another signed giveaway for John Isner gear, Steve, a uh, signed uh, John Isner shirt, I believe, a signed Stevie Johnson shirt. You can sign up again for that by going to our website or by leaving a review on our iTunes reviews. I'll leave a way for us to contact you as well to get yourself involved on this podcast or the Cracked Interviews and Great Shot podcast. Shout out, as always, to the super producers, Max Flieger and Daniel Westoff. It was a three-pod Monday for me. That means they've got a ton of editing to do, and of course, that means they have a f- the job to do, as always. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling salty at Chris, so Matt, uh, I will give you, uh, him the final last word, but I guess, Matt, any final thoughts before we sign off? Nope, I got nothing else to say, guys. I'll catch you next week on the next pod. Yeah, I think we hit everything this week, and I feel like you're ready to go to Bad <laughs> Maddie. You're like 1040. What has gone wrong here? But, Chris, any final thoughts? You got another story for me? You got any fun facts? Who do I not shout out usually? I want. Oh. I like to always hit a different random school. Uh, do we have, like, Salt Lake City State University of, results I had all kinds us? of stuff for you, Gruskin. Well, I mean, we, we just – finally touched on tennessee wichita state we didn't talk talk about georgia georgia tech lsu tulane that was a great match this weekend how about louisville lows into northwestern 4-1 i mean come on what do you say coach Bolin? <laughs> uh, i mean i, I if, he, if there's any way he's still listening after an hour and 30 minutes i mean that'll that'll be the icing on the cake yeah. but no the only thing i really want to know gruskin is off the top of your head and you you have to give this to me immediately and you have to say a name the person when you go to indoors this weekend, the one girl you're looking most forward to watching. I mean, non-Michigan player is the thing I have to say first. But so Sarah Davitella doesn't count because she's from Michigan. But like the two-handed forehand backhand. Man, I said below. quick one name. Well, I, I already know who. Well, it's guess be. what? It's the IT National Indoor, so I don't need a quick one name. And you think? See, you're just trying to get me in freaking oh, trouble, Chris. This is why we can't. Ugh, this is an. You're just trying to get me in trouble. You, Come on, hold on. We're thinking this. Pair it's your girl, Ashley. Pair it's Ashley Leahy. Forget it. Well, I mean, whatever he says, that's who it is. Because she came on the podcast. You come on the Cracked Interviews podcast. You're always going to be number one in my heart. So get out of here, Chris, with your nonsense. But in the meantime, for my co-host Matt Stokoe, Chris Hallioris, this is probably the last podcast we'll be allowed to do for our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at both Arrow Bar and, of course, at uh, Diet. Dim Tennis, and for our teams here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Guys, what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. On that note, we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.